So I'm Randy, I'm alcoholic. Like I said at the beginning, my body's allergic to alcohol. I can never ever drink alcohol successfully again. And for a person like me, that's a huge handicap because I have a disease called alcoholism. It's a disease that centers in my mind. It's a disease that talks to me in my own voice. It's the power for my life and that power manifests itself as a unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind. And because I have this unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind, everything I see, I see through this filter. And it causes me to be in emotional pain. And when I get in enough emotional pain, I need to do something to kill that pain. And the thing that killed it for a very, very long time, I self-medicated with alcohol. And alcohol did for me everything I needed. It helped me to connect with the present moment. It helped me to forget all my troubles. It helped me to forget all my fears. It helped me to be more courageous. It helped me to be a better dancer and a better talker to girls and a better, uh, more funny, I thought. <laughs> uh, but eventually all of that turned on me and I started blacking out and I started having car crashes and trouble keeping jobs and trouble keeping relationships and trouble keeping family and it destroyed my life the alcohol but the thing that 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 made it necessary for me to drink alcohol and the reason I would drink alcohol even knowing that I'm probably going to black out and do some crazy stuff was because I was being so much emotional pain from what my mind told me about what was happening in the life that I was living and so then I come to AA and they teach me how to not drink and I don't drink one day at a time by not drinking. If I don't take the first drink, I don't have a blackout from alcohol. That's it. That's a great solution to not having blackouts and doing crazy things in an alcoholic blackout. But it doesn't treat the disease and it doesn't help me to be more comfortable in my skin because I'm not drinking. It just keeps me from blacking out. And doing the crazy things that I did when I drank. But I still have this same self-talking mind that talks to me in my own voice and tells me that things aren't right. And it tells me that if I had different things, then I'd be happy. And then it tells me I'm never going to have those things because I'm the world's biggest loser and nothing ever works out for me. And then I need to drink again and the cycle keeps going around and around and around. And then I come in here and they teach me how to not drink one day at a time if you don't want to get drunk today. If you don't want to have an allergic reaction to alcohol today, don't drink any alcohol. And that's a good solution. And things change immediately when I stop drinking. They get better. And, and so now I think, wow, this is the solution, no drinking. But then time passes and the mind starts talking again and eventually I am hurt again and I am dying. And... I need a treatment. And so my sponsor took me back into the steps to treat the disease of alcoholism, not just to stay sober, because I did all 12 steps because that was the 12 chores that they tell you you have to do if you want to stay sober, if you want to never drink again. But they don't tell you, well, they might tell you that I didn't hear that I need to live this as a way of life in order to be free of the mind, the self-talking mind that makes me so restless, irritable and discontent. And so I go back into the steps as a way of life and I get to live step one by admitting I'm a complete defeat at being okay in this moment, this one, whatever's happening right now, 
with my own power, with alcoholism. I'm a complete defeat at being okay in this moment. Not with alcohol, with alcoholism. And that my life has become unmanageable. The life that's unmanageable is my thought life. I can't, if I could manage my thought life, then I could use the power of positive thinking and I could just be okay all the time. But my thought life is unmanageable. And p thoughts pop into my head. Oh, you're going to run out of money when I go to write a check. And then I try and be positive. Oh, no, I'm not. And then it says, oh, yes, you are. And that disease is more powerful than me. And it is the power for my life. And it tells me I'm running out of money. My life sucks. I should kill myself. All I had to do was write a bill. And I had the money in the bank to pay the bill. But my mind still wanted to kill me. <laughs> for the bills that I'm not going to be able to pay in the future, which it's very worried about, but I don't have those bills yet. So that's a touch of insanity that I'm worried about running out of money for bills that I don't have yet, but it's going to happen in the future. And that keeps me restless, irritable and discontent now, but it's not happening now. And my experience is that right now, I always have everything that I need to be okay in this moment that I always have always do right now. So my life is unmanageable. I can't manage the thoughts that come in. And I can't manage to turn myself to be positive. So what I what I get is I get to walk into step two, I get to stand ready to do anything which will lift my merciless obsession, which is to be self satisfied not to drink today. And then I get to walk into step two, and I get to start coming to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And uh, Johnny asked me a question before the meeting started. And I got to tell you, the earth ride, pride filled character named Randy wanted to answer that question. It wanted to have the right answer. And it wanted to answer that question. And it wanted to look good. And it wanted to know some stuff. And the truth of the matter is, is that what I have today is I have the ability to tap into all knowledge and all power. Just like everyone here on this meeting has the same ability to tap into all knowledge and all power. But that knowledge is, it's not a head knowledge. It's not something I read in a book and now I know this thing about this thing. It's an experiential knowledge. Because I've had the experience of doing the thing that we're talking about. And I can share my experience on that in a relationship with a higher power. And maybe I do, maybe I don't know the answer to that question. And whether I do or whether I don't doesn't mean that I'm a good or a bad person. It's just an answer to a question. And the answer to the question, if it's head knowledge is not an answer to a question. It's just more head knowledge. It's just another opinion. It's just another old idea that I'm energizing. All knowledge and all power comes through my higher power in this moment in step two, if I will rightly relate myself to that power. And the rightly relating, which we've been practicing lately, which I think has been amazing for me, it has, and it's, it's been reminding me to practice it more in my life is to take two moments, two minutes, 
right here, right now, and rightly relate myself to my higher power, which means telling my higher power where I am. Look at me. I want to have the answers. Look at me. I want to look good. Look at me. Could you help me? Could you be with me? Could you guide me and direct me? These are my fears, God. And then I tell God what my fears are. And I rightly relate what my fears are right now. And so we're going to, I'm, I'm going to offer you two moments of silence. You can do whatever you want in those two moments. But I would encourage you to have the experience of rightly relating, even if you've done it a million times because you've never done it right now. And so I'm going to stop talking now. So that's two minutes of maybe rightly relating, maybe self-talking, who knows. Every time I do that, even though we meditated for 20 minutes and my mind was quieter from the meditation, from, from after the meditation than it was before, still taking that two minutes and rightly relating myself always grounds me again right now. And I always... My mind always gets quieter after I have spent a time, a some period of time, rightly relating myself, sharing my life where I'm at exactly right now in this moment with my higher power. And every time I do that, I get some quiet. And that quiet is what I call sanity. To me, sanity is a quiet mind, not a self-talking mind, just a quiet mind. And I get to have that. And when I have enough moments of quiet, enough being restored to sanity, then I can make a decision in three. 
and the decision is to turn my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions over to the care of God as I understood it because I did something in two and I had the experience of being restored to sanity, of having some quiet. And now it's understood by me that every time I rightly relate myself, I share my thoughts and my actions with my higher power that I get restored to sanity. So that is God as I understood it. Not a biblical God or a God of, of, of religion, but a relationship. Sorry, Randy, could you unmute yourself? I unmuted you. Sorry. Accidentally. I don't know where I was muted, but it's a, it's a relationship God that I found in AA. It's a God of my understanding. Mine. It's mine. It's not from a book. I didn't read this out of a book and then have an intellectual conversation with you about what it means and then think I know something because I understand the meaning of something that I read out of a book. No, it's mine because I did something and I had an experience and nobody can ever take that from me. And I can always tap into all knowledge and all power for a quiet mind in this moment, always. And then, and then I do four. With the power, I look back at myself and my resentments, and I'm able to start to see some things. I'm able to see some realizations. I see the realization of where I do the same thing that I resent right to the same person that I resent that they did it to me or to others. And then I see my selfish behavior around my resentments. And then I see the selfish attitude that fuels the selfish behavior around my resentments. And then I see the lies that fuel the, the, the thoughts that fuel the action. And then I'm able to see the fears that fuel the lies, that fuel the thoughts, that fuel my selfish behavior. All of that gets revealed in step four and I share it with another human in step five and with God and with myself so that I could become aware, more aware of the truth and so that if I am still lying to myself, this other human might be able to see me better than I can see myself and help me to see the truth about me. And then because I have seen who I am and how I react around my resentments, no longer blaming you for my bad behavior, now I can become entirely ready in this moment to have God. And I can become entirely ready in this moment to have God remove all of my defects of character. We talked about this a little last week. For me, step six is step three for sober people. Now that you have some time, and now that you know who you are based on your, your behavior around your resentments and your fears and your sex, your, your, the way that you relate to the opposite sex or the sex of your choice, whatever it is. Now that I have all this information about me, I'm not going to fix it. I'm going to become more ready to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood it. Which means I'm going to be entirely ready right now to have God remove my defects of character. I am not the defect of character remover. God is. Just like I'm not the thing that restores me to sanity in step two. God is. 
This is not a self-help program. You cannot read this out of a book. You can read the books. I read them a lot. But reading the book doesn't change me. It's the rightly relating. It's the doing the inventory. It's the sharing of the inventory. It's the prayer and the meditation and the action that I take in the application of these 12 steps as a way of life that changes me. And it doesn't change alcoholism because it's built. It's done. It changes me in my ability to turn away from alcoholism toward a power. A lot of people talk about, um, oh, I handed this over to God. I, and I've talked about this before, but, oh, I'm handing this over to God. Like, I'm going to hand my, uh, my defects of character over to God. But, but what really happens is I'm turning my attention to God. I'm not handing anything over to God. I'm abandoning anything I think I needs to be handled. And I'm turning my attention. And I'm putting that on God. And I'm saying, my creator, I am now, right now, in this moment, ready that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. I pray that you now, right now, remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. So the goal isn't to have my character defects removed so I can be more comfortable. It's The goal is to go back out into the world to be the man that God wants me to be. And then the seventh step is... Uh, uh, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. And so that's what's being offered in the program. That's what's being offered. And if I'll do that, I can now have a new character go out into the world to be the man that I think God would have me be. And and then the book says, just to the extent that I do as I think God would have me, does it enable me to match calamity with serenity? So my calamity is fixed. All of my calamity goes away just to the extent that I do as I think my higher power would have me do. Not that I know, because I don't know. I wish I knew. The only thing that I know is that I, I believe, and, and it's still a thinking, I still think this, I believe that God's will for me is to be 100% present at this meeting right now, because this is where I am. And if I wasn't here, it would be to be 100% present wherever I was. That's about as far into God's will as I can go, is that whatever's in my life right now, this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is the only moment that I can be the man that God would have me be right now, with no argument, no more argument. I stop fighting everyone and everything. In step two, I says, it says, the minute I stop arguing, I begin to see and feel. This minute, if I will stop arguing, I will begin to see and feel. A lot of people argue that this moment isn't as good as some other spiritual moment I had. So then this moment couldn't be 
me being connected to God because I've had this intense connection before and I don't feel that now, so this is not it. And, and that, that idea keeps me separate from God. The idea that this moment isn't as spiritual as any other moment. This is this moment, what's happening right here, right now in my life. I don't know about yours, but in my life, this is the best moment there ever was. This one. This is the one I'm alive in. This is the one where I can be the man that God says I could be right now. No other moment. So I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to open the meeting up. I'm so looking forward to all of you sharing. And uh, if you raise your hand virtually, uh, we'll call on you. I'm recording this meeting. I've been recording them and I, hopefully they're getting put up. I have to check. Uh, but there's a, there's a, I have a, a guy built me a website and he made it so that I could upload these to a lot of the, the um, podcast things all at once. So I know it's on Spotify and uh, we'll put it up in the in the chat how to find it if you want to find it. But if you do share, it's going to be recorded. And if it's re I'm not editing, I don't edit this stuff. So whatever you share is being recorded and will be played back if people want to listen to it. OK, that being said, Karen, you're up. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Thank Karen. you, Randy. And uh, I just um, really related to everything I've been listening to and coming to these meetings. And I applied, I believe, what you've been teaching me by rightly relating myself in an experience I had this Tuesday in flying from Montreal to Denver. Um, and I'd like to share it because um, it was so profound for me. We arrived in Denver. My husband has a cervical disc derangement and I was the heavy lifter. And when we got into the airport needing to take the train, it was free cast. There was like 500 people. And I said, oh my God, there's COVID happening in front of me. And I got very quiet. And I did the prayers we've been doing here in our sessions. And we had to wait about 40 minutes. And I asked God for help because my head was just spinning. I was flying. We're never going to get on that train. We're going to be here for three days. The ism was there. And you, Randy, were saying, get quiet, ask for help, pray, rightly relate. And this calm just came right through me. And lo and behold, there was an empty train. Then we get into the place. And guess what? There's no luggage. I see one piece of luggage. We have four pieces. And they're manifested in front of me, a porter. Now, the whole plan was to get two, two buggies. But, and that was the plan. But there's this porter. And I went up to him and I said, and I didn't even know. I was just being carried. Can you help us, please? And I was missing three pieces. And he knew where the three pieces were. And I really believe that this all happened because I was asking for help and help came and I almost jumped on him. I, I wanted to embrace him. And I, I just felt so like for the first time in, in many, many ways, you know, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself because I asked for help and mm. I was in the right space. I'm getting emotional because it was so powerful for me and I love it. Thank you so much for giving me this. Thanks a lot. Ernie. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for sharing that story with us. That's awesome. Uh, Mary B. 
Hi, I'm Mary. I'm an alcoholic. Um, Hi, Mary. Tomorrow I'll have six months. Yay. And um, thank you for the claps. I feel like I'm one of those, uh, I have, I'm like one of those women who had like a really easy pregnancy. That's, you know, then they like brag about it. That's how I feel about my first like few months of this sobriety. It has been like just really not easy, but maybe easy. I don't know. It's been really lovely. And um, it's starting to get difficult. I'm having like a week of, of firsts, you know, this will be my first holiday, holidays without drinking or using. And I'm, I'm away. Um, I usually am in California and I'm in London right now. And it's my first time um, being out of town. Um, my first experience like with potentially dating. I, it's just like a lot of firsts. Um, and I, so I feel like I'm kind of running into just running into uncharted territory with the sobriety and um, the, some things that have been coming up or just you you know, how do I know if it's my intuition or if it's self-will? You know, it's like, I feel like with being sober, it's the first time that I actually have like a, a, a pure intuition that is there. Um, and with having a connection with the higher power, like there's access to that, but it's a fine line, you know, being a new sober person with like that intuition, I feel, and then self-will. Um and I'm just experiencing like a ton of judgment. And um, I think it was a podcast that I listened to um, of yours, Randy, that you said the disease can't live in the future or it can't live in the present. It has to live in the future or the past because it's not real. And um, I mean, that was so huge for me when I heard it. And I just, I really feel like I'm there right now. And um, I'm trying not to wrap this sheriff in a bow that's like but this is what I've learned and this is where I'm at um because I kind of am just at a it all feels overwhelming right now I feel very overwhelmed and um trying to be gentle but it's just a lot of firsts um but I am sober today so that's all I got thank you thanks Mary so there's a huge group of women in London that you could connect with that come to this meeting and, and other meetings. So make sure that you reach out to Annie and get Annie's phone number. Um, I don't know how you found us, but Annie has access to, I mean, if you get Annie, you'll have access to amazing network in London. All right, that's it. No more hands. I'll see y'all next week. No, I'm just kidding. Who's next? If you, if you want to ask a question, you can ask a question, but if you'd like to share, it would be nice to see who's next. Oh, Rick. You're up, Rick. Rick Alcoholic. Hi, Rick. Thank you, Randy. Um, great lead. I really appreciate it. Um, can you hear me? Yes.
that was really great. I that was 100% what I needed to hear now today. Um, so I very much appreciate that. Um, I need to remember that because I get as I get frustrated doing my nightly inventory and I have the same things I check off. I don't. And I'm reminded that I can't fix these, just like I couldn't fix alcohol. So I get in a mindset, put them in the God box, and you turn them over, and it's not actually giving them to him and saying, I don't want these. These are yours. Take it. It's right relating yourself, and there is a difference. And maybe that's why I'm still checking the same things, and I'm not moving beyond the things that I'm working on. I, sorry, I don't work on them. The things that I'm having issues with... Um, I'm tired of them. As I year in comes and I look and I've been dealing with these for the, the 2020, I'd like to move forward and start, you know, getting rid of some of these as I've with alcohol. Um, but I'm very grateful for this meeting. I'm grateful for your lead. Um, always helps me out to see that uh, I am given today. Oh, one quick thing. Um, one thing I've been working on the last three days, and this has come in some other meetings, is it? For an alcoholic, every day is like Thanksgiving. Every day is like New Year's Day. And I've been really focusing on this the last three or four days. And I just have had really good days waking up going, regardless of what I have to do today, regardless of the garbage and all the COVID and stuff, I'm sober. It's a gift. I have today. Enjoy today. Celebrate today. You've got today. It's a gift. Enjoy it. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Welcome. Melissa. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Melissa. I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. Hi, um, thank you so much, Randy. I uh, I do, especially on Saturdays for some reason. I mean, Wednesdays are fantastic, but Saturday had something about, like, it's a very chaotic morning here for me in New York, and, like, the kids both have a lot of things that they do on Saturday, whether it's virtual or my son was doing soccer and, and I really just, um, that's, you know, this meeting is at two o'clock in New York and it's just been such a, a game changer for me, uh, on zoom, being able to do a second meeting. I've done a 10 AM. My, my home group has been a 12 street workshop and living now in the city for, for years now. Um, and then I found during the, the, uh, during the pandemic that I just needed some, I needed some, some more support, some more connection in the afternoon. And Phyllis, you know, gave me the information for this meeting and it's just been become such a huge part of my days. Um, and I really, really, uh, enjoy it. Um, you know, I haven't, I, I have to, I have to say, honestly, I haven't shared on this meeting in a while. I do get very intimidated. I mean, I consider myself pretty well-spoken a pretty well-spoken person and um, don't usually have that much trouble sharing. But for some reason in this meeting, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I, I am feeling this pressure to come up with something profound. And, and I just tried to shut that down and get my hand up um, today. The thing that's, that's been the, 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 the loudest for me in, in during this pandemic is, you know, I, I've been feeling pretty sober and 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 it's like almost like I feel like I'm going to be struck down if I say that I'm happy you know like it's like like I really feel I feel so grateful and there's been so much crap everybody's had crap during the during this pandemic you know my father died my you know just all this life like life stuff life stuff you know um and 
my first ism was with food and wow has that just gotten so it got so loud and i had to push up you know i had to bump up some of that some of the other support that i was getting around that stuff because uh you know for me that's how i what what i would do is instead of looking, you know, I want to change a feeling. Well, let me change a feeling, you know, either let me stop eating or eat, you know, an entire case of little Debbie's. And then that's going to change a feeling really quickly, you know, and then the self, the self-loathing that comes with either way, it's just, it's just, you know, it's massive, but what, what really something, something shifted over for me last week. And man, I've been working at that, this stuff for a while. It was all of a sudden, like, I was having this thing where I'm just going to lay it all out there. I was having this thing where I was waking up sort of half awake in the middle of the night and going in the kitchen and like eating cookies and stuff. Not, not like, like, in, I mean, I don't take any, any sleep medication or anything, but like, like my body was just like ending up in the kitchen. I was kind of half awake and doing all this, you know? And so it was like, you know, try a weighted blanket so you don't get out of bed. She'll shut the kitchen door, try a railing on yours, all these things, you know, to try to like wake myself up more. And I was just not having any luck. And it was day after day of, uh, I felt so much like my alcoholism. It was day after day of, 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 of going, today's going to be different. I, 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 I'm not going to do this. I, I, you know, and it was just the same thing was happening. The same thing was happening again and again and again. And, you know, um, you know, and I really, I really was like, I really got to sit down with this and really just bring, bring my God into this because, I just, uh, and I was getting a lot of outside help. Um, and once I it was exactly like what you said, once I stopped fighting, once the fight stopped and it was, you know, I work with a, with a woman who's a specialist in that. And she was like, you know, just you sit in a moment of like, you know, acceptance, this is what's happening right now. This is sort of what's happening. And, um, once I stopped fighting it, like all of a sudden I, I kind of was like sleeping through the night a little bit better, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And man, I am just, I am so grateful beyond grateful. Um, you know, none of us are sick. We've been healthy this whole time. And, you know, I have these amazing kids. There's not a moment, like there's a moment during the day when I, it makes me get present right immediately because I'm really able to quickly see like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to live this moment again, whether it's something very special or whatever it is. Um, it makes it much easier for me to really get present because I just know that I'm never going to be in that particular space right there again. Really appreciate it. I love everyone. Uh, on this meeting. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Sarita. Hi, I'm Sarita. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sarita. Thanks, Randy. Um, I agree with <clears throat> um, what was what was just said. I'm, I can speak in any AA meeting, and I'm so nervous to speak in this meeting. Um, I think because it's just the most important thing that I do is coming to this meeting. Um, and I value, um, everything that you guys have said. I just, I mean, I value everything I hear at this movie, that this meeting moves me so much. Um, I call it my EpiPen. Um, it's, it's such a different experience. Um, so 
jumping into sharing, um, I've had profound job anxiety. Um, I just took um, my first job sober um, about eight weeks ago now. And leading up to day one, it was I had to stay really close with my sponsor because I just didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could work sober. I've always worked drunk, um, buzzed, whatever it was. And so um, getting up to that day one of starting work, it was just this wretched anxiety, just impossible. I couldn't do it. Um, And together through this meeting and prayer and other meetings, I got to day one. And um, it was, I had to travel um, to Tennessee. And with COVID, it was the stress level was just the most. But I was so aligned. I was so in the flow. Like, I just was, like, so with my higher power, so with you guys. Like, whatever it was, I just was, like, I I had to see you guys. Like, I had to get to this meeting. And and I I had relief, and I I did it, and I got comfortable, and I was, like, okay, I can can do this. And then I had success with it. And now it's so interesting because as soon as I started having success with it, as soon as I was, like, I got this, it took, like, six weeks, and I started – I was so resentful. I was, like, why aren't these people doing it my way? Like six weeks ago, I couldn't even show up. I couldn't even do the job. Um, I got too busy. I started multitasking. My husband was like, oh, I said, no, I, I got it. I got, I did my meeting. You know, is this meeting so important? And he was like, oh, but were you? And I was like, yeah, no, I was multitasking. Cause I was like, I had a computer over here. Um, and I was out of the flow and it was, it was, it's just been so jarring to realize that if I don't, do these actions. And so thank you what you said today about the actions. Like if I do these actions, the meditation, the prayer, if I'm there for it, and if I'm quiet, um, I love that first share. It's like, how quiet can I get to receive what I need to receive? Um, so that's it. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, I'm grateful for this meeting. Thank you. Nice to see you. Scott. Scott, you're up. Where'd you go? Where did he go? He was just here a second ago. Scott? All right, he disappeared. Uh, Matt, I think you were up next. Are you leaving? You were up and you took yourself out of line. So, and then you put yourself back in. So you're next. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Randy, thanks for your share. Um, you know, I actually spoke at a meeting last night. I just want to share this real quick, and then uh, I was going to ask you a question. But I, I was asked to speak at a meeting. It was like an hour-long speaker meeting, which I've never done. You know, I spoke a lot when I was in L.A., but they're all like 20-minute speaker meetings, so I could get my 20-minute, you know, pitch down. But... um I don't know. I, I something led me at the beginning of the meeting where I said, "Hey, I want to do something different." I said, "There's a line, one of my favorite lines out of the twelve and twelve, that made a huge impact on my recovery." Is that is in um, at the end of step two where it says, "True humility and an open mind can lead me to faith." And every AA meeting is an assurance that God will restore me to sanity if I rightly relate myself to Him. So, I said. So as a consideration, maybe as a practice, and you don't have to do this if you don't want to, 
maybe try to rightly relate yourself to your higher power. And I explained to them how I do it. And then I said, but nobody's going to know if you're rightly relating, so you can think about whatever you want, you know. And uh, so that's how I started the meeting off. And then, you know, about 30 minutes into the meeting, I did the, are you still rightly relating? And I, I don't know, it was just for some reason it hit me as, I just thought that was awesome. But um, awesome. but it had a huge impact on a lot of people. And um, anyways, I just wanted to share that. But my question is, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm finally understanding I've heard that we can meet calamity with serenity a lot, but I never actually understood or took the time to try to figure out what it means. So I was going to ask you if you can maybe go into it a little more, because I think finally what I'm understanding is that if I'm asking God what to do, and I do as I think he would have me do, that even if I'm doing the wrong thing, he's still going to help me match calamity with serenity. I exactly. believe what that's what saying? I, that's my experience. That's my experience. Yeah. If I so, get to a stop sign and I ask my higher power, should I go right or should I go left? And I go right, but I should have gone left. Somehow right will turn out to be right. And so, but I can't leave God at the stop sign. If I leave God at the stop sign, I might as well have gone right or left. It doesn't matter because now there's no God. There's no higher power. So, so long as I take this higher power with me, whichever way that I go, whatever I'm doing, then there's always the opportunity for it to, to guide me in the right direction if I am misguided in my idea. Uh, but if it's a big decision that affects other people, I always recommend that you talk over your guidance with a, with a spiritual person, advisor, sponsor. You know, if you're deciding to uh, to quit your job, you might want to talk that over with your sponsor. If you're going to now trust and rely on God to provide your income and you don't have to work anymore. That might be something you want to talk over with your higher power. But the calamity and the serenity is what Karen was talking about. I mean, everything in my mind is a calamity. The train, the luggage, the, everything's a calamity. But when I stop self-talking... The calamity is gone. The drama. It's all drama. And alcoholics, we're like purveyors of drama. That's what we do. So uh, the, the calamity is the drama and the serenity is the quiet mind in the, in the face of potential drama. Like, oh my God, my, my luggage isn't here. Now what am I going to do? And then the mind wants to go. And it wants to talk about how terrible it's going to be to not have your clothes and you're going to have to go back to the airport and then you got to do this. And by the time you're done, you might as well kill yourself because you don't have your luggage. And that's what the disease wants. It wants you to kill yourself. It wants you to walk into the bar and take a shot of alcohol to, to kill the pain of the luggage that you're not going to have one day. Meanwhile, right now, you're fully dressed. You've got everything you need for this moment. And if you need the luggage, it'll be supplied. If you don't need the luggage, something else will be supplied. But so, Jeff, you're up. Hey, I'm Jeff Alcoholic. Hi, Jeff. <clears throat> hey, you just sort of told my story. So I don't know if I have much to say, but I mean, it's um, I just kind of I'm feeling really uh, I feel well today. You know, I feel treated. I feel closer to God. And um, I was just kind of reflecting on the past few days where I was really getting 
I think more and more ill, you know, like, uh, I wasn't staying close to God. Like a long time ago I was in Japan and, um, my father was a, is a professor and he was teaching over there and we became friendly with one of the restaurant owners in the local town. And he gave me this stamp, you know, with my name in kanji. And he said, this is the name, this is, you know, how your name sounds in Japanese. And it means stay on the path. Walk a straight, stay on the path. And I remember thinking, you know, that's interesting. And I, um, and if I deviate just a little bit, like I, I mean, it's that if that wasn't one of the most prophetic things I'd ever heard about me, you know, if I ever tried to do anything devious, I got caught. If I ever, you know, had to steal something, I got, I was, I've never been a good liar, anything. I have to walk. A straight path you know i have to stay close and you know i was talking with you about it i i uh just got busy with work and i wasn't able to put in uh you know the time that i normally would put into uh my day my spiritual condition and you know i it was just a little bit different but it was enough that i started you know you said it the disease wants me dead and it started talking to me in my own voice and started telling me what was wrong with my life and how i don't have it so good and I started believing it, and I, I'm walking around with a knot in my stomach for the past couple of days, being restless, irritable, and discontent with a life that's really a, a pretty good life, you know. And um, and thank God for you, and thank God for this program, and thank God for uh, for this message because it's, um, you know, I, I think the tough thing for me is I understand cerebrally and intellectually that my sole purpose is to just be the man God intended me to be. I only have one thing I need to do, and that is to, to be, become the man God intended me to be, and everything else will fall into place. Um, but there are times when the disease will override that and say, no, you've got to have more money. you got to have that girlfriend. you got to have whatever. And, uh, and it's so powerful in that moment. It is just so overwhelmingly powerful. Um, and I guess sometimes I need to experience enough pain that I get snapped back, you know, to God, you know? So yeah. anyway, thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Scott's back. So we're going to give Scott another try. Uh, Scott, I unmuted you. I think I did. What is going on with my computer? You're, you're, okay. Scott, you're up. Did you want to share? We good? Yes. Beautiful. Okay. Um, what a tough week. What a tough share. I've been putting off dealing with my mother and father. Step four for years. Lost my dad at 19. Only child. Um, so I shared all my resentments. Don't you know the next day? My mom's 86. Don't you know the next day, her sister of 84 calls me and we talk for 40 minutes. So I share all my concerns and complaints. My mom won't turn her hearing aid on. She doesn't have, and all of this. So the next day I said, all right, let's give it a shot. It's the best 40 minute conversation I've ever had with my mother. My mother wanted me in her life. So she actually had a conversation with me. It wasn't all about her. She wanted to participate in the conversation. Um, boy, when it works, it's really magical. It really is. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry I put off dealing with this for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, being fearful really freezes me. And I don't move forward at all. I just sleep as long as I can and just avoid everything. Mm. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Scott. Dolly? Whoops. You're up, Dolly. Can you hear me? Yep. Hi, everybody. My name is Dolly. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Dolly. I love this meeting. Love this meeting so much. Thank you, everybody, for making it possible. I've spent a lot of time this week digesting what we talked about last week, which was the end of the fear inventory, that at the bottom of the silo, it all boils down to the same thing pretty much for everyone, that my greatest fear is that I'm a loser and that I'm unlovable. And actually, I was really shocked. A piece of me was shocked, Randy when you said that most people boil down to those two fears, because I, all my life, that's been my mantra. That's been my operating mode. That's been my color of everything in my life. And I think it has really stopped me from being able to feel what's really happening. And so I had, so I went through this with my sponsor this week. I told her, I I always tell her what goes on with the meetings. She's out in Utah. And for as long as I've known her, which is 20 years, she talks about feeling happy, joyous, and free. And I've never said this to her before till now, but in my heart, I was always saying, well, that's very good for you, lady, because You're a billionaire. You have houses all over the world. You can travel any place you want. You have um, a huge extended family that loves you. And uh, the whole thing. For me, it was always all about the money. She had the money. So, of course, she felt happy, joyous, and free. That's the corollary, right, to having money. You are happy, joyous, and free. Mm -hmm. I actually said it to her this week um, that that I used to get so pissed off at her when she would say in a meeting that she was happy, joyous, and free. Because I was never happy, joyous, and free because I was not making as much money as I thought I should be making. I didn't have the adulation that I showed up. You know, I didn't have the, the upbringing that she had. I didn't have blah, blah, blah. I was focused on all the stuff I didn't have. And so she said to me, she said when she came into the program, she told when she had to talk about herself she said and she said this because she believed it she said that she grew up in a trailer and it was filthy and she had no parents and no siblings and no food to eat because that's how she felt on the inside Mm. she felt as bad or worse than me even with all the trappings that she had in reality, that was her take on herself. And she absolutely felt unlovable. And uh, what was the other thing? A loser. She felt like the biggest loser ever. So I come to discover now that 
the answer to happy, the path to happy, joyous and free is what I'm feeling right now, which is, you know what? I'm sitting here in a perfectly nice room. I have about, I want to say 10, maybe 12 people in my life that care about me a lot, that look up to me, that value me as a friend. Um, I have a pretty good job. Um, I'm not the richest person in town, but I'm okay. I don't have to feel that way. I have, really, I have everything I need. Thank you. Thanks, Dolly. So glad you have that. Uh, it's 1231. So, Rick, I'm sorry. We're going to get you next week or I'll talk to you later. Uh, everybody else, thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing your stories, those of you that shared. And thank you for listening to the listeners. You know, it's the, all of the healing is in the listening, by the way. So when you let me share every week, you are healing me. That's crazy. All of the healing is in the listening, not in the talking. So I appreciate you all, and I appreciate this opportunity to be here with you and to meditate with you and to pray with you and to grow with you and to hear your stories, because I need this as much as everybody here does. I, I have to do this the same as everybody else. There's no safe ground. There's no getting... It's all a gift. It's all grace. And I need as much grace as everybody. So thank you. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to unmute everybody so we can do the serenity prayer together. So unmute yourself if you don't mind, so we can all hear you. And God, and the wisdom, the wisdom to do the difference. I will not mind with that. Keep coming back. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. 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 Are you at Lake Powell? I'm in Lake Mojave. Lake Mojave, nice. Yeah. Okay, so this is cool. This is good. Awesome. Thank you. How long are you there for? Uh, I'll be back Monday. Nice. Yeah, you have a solid signal. Yeah. Awesome. It's I'm going to put an X here with stones. It's a little breezy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. X marks the spot. All right. I'll see you all. See you, Jeff. Nice to see you. Good talking with you. Yes. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Rachel from Santa Barbara. Are you still there? Okay. Goodbye.